And the next verse says, Great fear and meeting of the saints is due unto the Lord, and he of all about him should with reverence be adored. Before we turn to God's word together, let's again bow our heads and come before the throne of grace. Let's pray together. Lord of heaven and earth, we bless you that our hope is not as it was the people of Ephesus, a stone that fell from the heavens. But our hope is in the one who has come down, in the person of your Son, the chosen one with whom you have made that gracious covenant, that covenant of redeeming grace. And we thank you today for him and for all he has achieved and for all he is achieving. And at last, in the great achievement and the announcement that the kingdoms of this world will be the kingdom of our God and his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And so we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done beginning with us and in us and through us and from us. Lord, we live in a broken world. It always has been since that day in the garden. And we see and we hear graphic images of destruction and death. And we just remember, Lord, those who are caught up in uh, these uh, uh, events and in all that destruction. Lord, we especially remember your own people because they will be there. And we know that they will be crying out to you as they have been in these places where there have been disturbances and where they have been oppressed and where they are denied the great benefit that we enjoy at this very moment of gathering together with a measure of security and peace. And they cry, Lord, how long? And your people have been so crying down through the ages and through the generations. And we know, Lord, that you hear and that your time will come for them and for all who cry to you in trouble and in anguish in these days. Lord, we pray that uh, for your people in Ukraine, your people in, in, in Israel, in Gaza, your people in all the troubled parts of the earth, your people in parts where there have been earthquakes where there have been, where there is destruction all around them and where they are 
seeking to bring the message of new creation into this broken creation, this creation that is groaning as it awaits the liberty of the children of God, that wonderful freedom, that release into that new heavens and a new earth where there will be no unrighteousness, and so where there will be no sad, no sorrow, no sadness. But as we think of sorrow, Lord, we think of those who are near to us who are sorrowing. And today, again, we remember Duncan and Morag MacLeod and, and, uh, and their children and their children's children. Lord, we just remember them, Lord. And we uh, remember uh, what we sang at the funeral. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. And we thank you uh, that, we, that they have that assurance that that has been fulfilled for Katie. May they have the assurance it will be fulfilled for all of them. And in a greater measure, uh, may their vision, Lord, be the Lord of their hearts. And may Jesus truly be recognized as the Lord of their hearts. And may he be known as the Lord of our minds and our hearts. And all the more so now as we come to your word. So we thank you. We pray for Malcolm and Katie, we thank you for Malcolm and Katie's ministry here over these years. And we pray your blessing as they retire from pastoral ministry. We pray, Lord, that you will continue to use Malcolm in his preaching ministry. Because the harvest is plentiful and the labors are few. So we pray, Lord of the harvest. Here is now, and when you hear, forgive, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We're going to think of the mystery of godliness, and we turn to 1 Timothy 3 and verse 14. Uh, Paul writing to Timothy, 1 Timothy 3, 14, page 1272. I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may now know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the Spirit vindicated by, manifested in the flesh, sorry, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Uh, NASA's Bill Nelson said as he is referring to the James Webb Telescope, we're one step closer 
to uncovering the ministries, to uncovering the mysteries of the universe. We're one step closer to uncovering the mysteries of the universe. But there is a greater mystery that has been uncovered to the people of God. And it's called here by the Apostle the mystery of godliness, which is the greatest mystery of all. The God who created and holds it all, he is here with his people, with his church. And he has come in human form. He has taken a human body. He was manifested in the flesh. Other translations render it God appeared in, or God appearing in a body. The context here, the apostle says, as he's writing to Timothy, if I delay so that you may know, I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. These things are written so that we know how to behave in the household of God. And then there's three defining characteristics of God's house, of the church. God's household, God's family. Those who love God love the household of God, the household of faith. Just the other day, again, I was here in the R.C. Sproul, and he said something that really caught me. He said, the one who doesn't know the church as mother is unlikely to know God as father. That struck a chord with me. Is it... Do so with you. The one who doesn't know the church as mother, the household of God, the one who doesn't know the church as mother, is unlikely to know God as father. The church is God's household. The church is the church of the living God. God lives and God gives life. He lives in his church, gives life to his church. It is the church of God that he has purchased with his own blood. It's a life-costly church. It is a life-giving church, church of the living God. And thirdly, it is the pillar and foundation of the truth, a pillar and buttress of the truth. And that's interesting language that the apostle uses as he's writing to Timothy here, because Timothy's at Ephesus, and we read about Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. And when Paul was in Ephesus, there was a riot, and Paul's message to the people of Ephesus was that gods made by human hands are no gods at all. And that was disturbing the religion and the economy of Ephesus. They had a huge temple to the Greek god Artemis. 
It's interesting that the follow-on program of NASA is uh, called Artemis. It follows on from Apollo, uh, both Greek goddess. And they had a huge temple at Ephesus to the Greek god Artemis. Apparently huge foundations with pillars and buttresses, pillars of stone and marble, with, uh, decorated with gold, with jewels. And they cry out, great is Artemis, or great is Diana of the Ephesians. And the Apostle Paul responds and he said, how great, they are no gods at all. This is what is great, this great mystery of godliness. He says, he says great indeed, verse 16, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. And then he goes on to uh, then he goes on to quote what I think would have been a song, words of a song of this great mystery. This is the foundation and pillar of true godliness. This is what is truly great. This mystery, once hidden and now revealed, this is the revelation of God. This is the great mystery, the greatest mystery ever revealed. This is what's worth shouting and singing about. Great is the mystery of godliness. And there's what Alistair Begg reckons would be a six-line song. And it's all about him. He, beginning, he, that is God, was manifested in the flesh. So there's six lines, and Alistair Begg has, has a heading for each line, and I'll just follow him. And the first line is incarnation. He appeared. He was manifested in the flesh. He appeared in this way in a human body. He who always was and who created the universe appeared in a form in which he was not before. The mystery of his appearing. You know, I, I often think we just fail to, we fail to consider it as we ought to consider this great mystery, this amazing reality, the mystery of the appearing of the incarnation of the enfleshment of God, God in our human form. Hebrews 10, verse 5, and again quoting Psalm 40, when Christ came into the world, he said, Psalm 40, a body you prepared for me. Here I am. I have come to do your will, my God. The mystery of the one who coexisted before the, before the world was created. And from the magnificence of heaven comes the Son of God into what is described as the lower regions of the earth. 
into the lower regions of the earth. The Creator becomes a human fetus and is born into this world. Who is he in yonder stall as his feet the angels fall? Tis the Lord, the Lord of glory. Tis the Lord, O wondrous story. Tis the Lord, the Lord of glory. And we'll be hearing more of that, and rightly so, in the days and weeks to come. And we just pray that we will be all the more amazed at this great mystery of godliness. He invades our time and space. Wesley puts it, Our God contracted to a span incomprehensibly made man. Not just any form of man, but taking the form of a servant. This is our God, the song says, the servant king. Not to be served, he says, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Because that's the debt that humanity owes to God. It is life. The day you eat of it, you shall surely die. And the genealogy of humanity following, prefaced with, uh, uh, concluding with, and he died, and she died. And so it is. But the great mystery of godliness is that one came to give his life a ransom for many. And that he says, and these words are on my late brother-in-law's memorial in Fort Rose Cemetery just over two years ago now since he passed away. And these words of John eleven twenty-five are there. I think every time when I see it, I say, yes. Jesus said, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And I say, yes. And all the people of God say, yes. And then he goes on, and whoever lives by believing in me, there's no other way to live but by believing in me, Jesus said. The one who lives by believing in me will never die. And then comes that great question from the great mystery of godliness God manifested in the flesh. No longer mysterious, but revealed the great mystery of godliness. And it's the man who is God who is asking, do you believe this? And he's asking me again, do you believe this? And he's asking you again, do you believe this? The great is the mystery of godliness. God manifested in the flesh. Incarnation. But that's only the beginning. The second line is vindication. Vindicated by the Spirit or proved to be who he was by the Spirit. John the Baptist in John chapter 1 said, See the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then in verse 32, he said, John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I'm sorry for the... I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. 
And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this is God's chosen one, the Son of God. John saw this bearded, bronzed, 30-year-old man, Jewish man, coming towards him, and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. How did he recognize him? Well, he says himself, I didn't know him. But the one who sent me to baptize told me, This is how you'll know him. You see the Spirit come down and remain on him. And what does that mean? It doesn't mean that a dove was on his head all the time. Of course not. But the Spirit came down and remained. And what happens when the Spirit comes down and remains on humanity? Well, the result of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, the Apostle Paul writes, says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And you know, that's what John saw, as he had never seen it before. You know, that's what you see in a Christian, or ought to see in a Christian. I believe every Christian does have uh, evidence of that fruit in all its different parts. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and how beautiful it is. That is human character in its perfection. And then Matthew says, And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And you know that voice comes to us today too. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And God is asking us, how do you respond to this voice from heaven? This is God's son. God loves him and God is well pleased with him. And I say I love him. The response of the, response of the household of God is we love him too we are well pleased with him the vindication of the spirit the miracles Acts 2.22 Peter preaches and he says Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles wonders and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. But the vindication doesn't stop there. There's the ultimate vindication of the Spirit. The cross said, cursed of God. But then comes the resurrection, which declared, Son of God. God manifested in the flesh, God reappearing in the flesh. Romans 1.4, the gospel regarding his son, who as to his earthly life, according to the flesh, was a descendant of David, and through the spirit of holiness was appointed 
or better declared the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, declared the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. That word declared is an interesting word. In the Greek, it's, the word is haraitso or haraitso, from which we get the English word horizon. And horizon, you know, is a clear boundary. It's a clearly defined boundary between earth and sky. And it marks out a defined reality. So in the spirits raising Jesus from the dead, there's a clearly defined reality marking out and distinguishing him from every other human life. He is and ever will be the mystery of godliness revealed, he again and forever appearing in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit. See my hands and my feet, he said. It is I myself. I love that. It is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see, I have. Rabbi Duncan, the dust of the earth at the right hand of the majesty on high, great is the mystery of godliness. Vindication, incarnation, vindication, third line, and we'll move more quickly now, observation. Scene by angels. Henriksen, in his commentary, writes, Angels saw him clearly. They knew him as their glorious Lord, to whom they had given worship before the throne. They had known him since he created them. They then witnessed the beauty of creation following. It would seem that the angels were created before the universe was created. Because Job 38 verse 7 says this, they witness the beauty of creation following, he says, while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. The joy of the creation in which the angels shared. Who created it? The Word. Who is Jesus? who is God with us, and they now see him in a body, in a human body. Oh, the mystery of godliness, they say. They're sent to announce his birth. They're sent to minister to him after his temptation. You remember the devil left him, frustrated by failure, and angels attended him. Seen by the angels. There's one of them sent to the Garden of Gethsemane when the one who created the universe is on his face on the ground sweating great drops of blood. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. I wonder if he said, you can have 12,000 of us right now. All you have to do is say the word. But no, he has to go alone on that journey to hell for us. And then the angels, I believe, would see him on the cross. 
and they would hear with the greatest relief that loud voice, it is finished. Notice what they heard and what we are to hear. It is finished. Not I am finished. Every other human being dying has to admit I am finished. But his cry was a cry of triumph. It is finished. Angels hear. But then they're sent to the tomb. They're sent to the grave. And they have that great announcement to make to humanity. He is not here. He is risen. Come see the place where he lay. Angels still observe. Seen by the angels. First Peter 1 verse 12. Even angels long to look into these things. They've seen so much already. But there's so much in this great mystery of godliness that they long to look into these things. I think they long to look into more of what it's like for a God-resisting, God-rejecting, God-rebelling human being to become a child of God. That must be a sort of great amazement to the angels, only that we would share more of their amazement. The wonder at it all. It's the church, the household of God, through whom they learn. Ephesians 3 verse 10. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. And whom they serve, Hebrews 1.14, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. We sing amazing grace. How amazed the angels must be. Incarnation, the mystery of godliness. Incarnation, vindication, observation. And the mystery goes on the fourth line, proclamation. He was proclaimed among the nations. And that mystery continues in that great, amazing commission that it was not to angels that this uh, proclamation was commissioned, but to men. And so the mystery of godliness continues. It began with the fishermen that they recognized as unschooled and unlearned men. And it goes on to lorry drivers and digger drivers. But it also goes on to, as Paul describes himself, violent enemies. Blasphemer, he says, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, a chief of sinners. And yet to such is this message, is this proclamation commission given. Because you see, God has confidence in the transforming power of this great mystery of godliness, transforming ignorant and insolent opponents to preachers. And then the fifth line, affirmation, he was believed on in the world, 
ever since Acts chapter 2. And that day there were 3,000. A few days later there were 5,000. 300 years later it was estimated, it's estimated there was over 30 million. 60%, I think, of the Roman Empire in 300 years. And so it continues the amazing history of the Christian church. Millions, now billions, believing on him. We were just talking with Angus before we came in of the number that can, cannot be counted. Billions. It will be billions. Spurgeon reckoned that there would be more in heaven than in hell, that the, that the devil would not have the majority. World population is increasing as never before. Revelation says a number that cannot be numbered. What kind of number is that? I remember just playing with numbers, really, but that's just the kind of mind that I maybe I have. Six billion of a world population. How long would it take one person to count six billion? And the answer is around 200 years. So that's a number that no man can number. And so it goes on, believed on. But you see, the place of believing is in the world. Believed on in the world. In the world is opportunity. It's the only place of opportunity beyond the world. Beyond this world, no opportunity. Believed on in the world. Have you believed on him in the world? And the last line, exaltation. Received, taken up in glory. Taken up in glory. Received up into glory. Received so as now to be in glory would be a literal translation here. He was taken up so as now to be in glory. Men saw him go. You remember the Shekinah cloud that descended and took him, the cloud of glory that took him up. The last view, Luke twenty-four fifty. he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them, and he was taken up into heaven. I love that. That's the last view they had of him. He stood there, and he lifted up his hands, and he blessed them. And you know, these hands have never grown weak like the hands of Moses. They are still raised in blessing. He blessed them, not silently, but he blessed them with words. What words? I love to think that the words that with which he blessed them were the words that God gave for Aaron for the priestly blessing. This is how you were to bless the children of Israel. My children, number 624. This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. And be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. You see, he could leave them with that blessing. And it is that blessing that he still and forever bestows. Taken up so as now to be in glory. Hendrickson, 
when the echo of men's voices crying, crucify him, we will not have this man to rule over us. When these voices had scarcely died, heaven opened wide its portals, and upon receiving back its victorious king, resounded with the echoes of the jubilant anthem sung by 10,000 times 10,000. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive all glory, to which is added the voices of all who believed on him in the world. Is your voice added to these voices today? Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive all the glory. Now then, there's a great question. How can we get anyone to believe in this great mystery of the revelation of God? How can we make it so that this great mystery of godliness becomes the greatest reality in the whole universe for anyone? Well, we don't have to. Because we can't. Because that's what God does. You know, I have only read it once, but I'll read it over and over again. And if you find it, read it. And if you can't find it, buy it. A little book by Thomas Davis called God is God and You Are You. It is about having confidence in sharing our faith. And that's where it begins. God is God, and you are you. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4 tells us, and you know this is the confidence. This is the confidence of the church, of the gospel. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, and so he keeps the unbelievers in the dark, and we can't give the blind their sight. So that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Because this is what God does, the creator God. For God who said, and going back to Genesis 1 verse 3, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Christ, the face of God manifested in the flesh. Great is the mystery of godliness. Lord, give the command here today, let light shine out of darkness. Because until that light shines, our hearts are dark. But Lord, when that light shines, that adds to your new creation in Christ, who will sing forever the praise of your glory. Amen.